So here's the question. When the rules we've been operating by have burnt us out and the hamster wheel is keeping us awake at night and stuck, how do we, as expert entrepreneurs who want to make significant impact but just can't take on one more thing, grow our businesses and teams, double our revenue while working less? That's the question. This is The Business Habitat. I'm Sam Dean, your host, and this show explores the answers. Stay tuned and enjoy some brave conversations. Good morning and good evening to everybody around here, wherever you are. I've got the amazing Brad Eon with me today. He is on the other side of the planet in Montreal, Canada. So it's seven o'clock in the morning, my time, and um, what, five or six, your time? Brad. So here, I'm at the beginning of my working day and Brad's at the end of his. We we're just having a bit of a laugh at the different aspects of that. So the reason I have Brad here today, I think it's going to be one of the, um, I'm going to hope that there's a few fundamental shifts. As everybody knows, time and our hours for dollars mindset is something that we talk about a lot. And I have got Brad here today, who's a doctor in philosophy, but He's a time management researcher and expert on time. And he's what he does is he focuses on how people can achieve what matters to them while reducing stress and living more meaningful roles and around the philosophy of time. So Brad, welcome today and um, to, to the podcast. And tell me a bit about yourself and how you came to, to be this um, time management researcher and expert. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on, having me on Sam. I really appreciate it. Uh, my name is Brad Eon. I, I do research on time management. It's, um, it's, it's, it's uh, <laughs> paradoxically, it's not something that I spend too much time on, you know, like you, you don't want to, of, of course, there's passion. You don't want to let that turn into obsessive passion. Uh, ideally, you want to, uh, there's a thing in psychology called harmonious passion, where the thing you're obsessed about uh, can easily uh, blend with the rest of your life. Because otherwise, you know, when it's obsessive passion, you dedicate your entire life to something at the expense of literally everything else. So, yes, I do spend uh, most of my working time on time management because it's a topic that I think is very personal uh, to everyone. It's a topic that can be we usually think about time management as this set of techniques, tips and tricks, uh, strategies to become more efficient. But the reality is, is that time management is really about the way we use our time. And the way we use our time is very often a reflection of our values, our beliefs, our philosophy. Uh, and that's why around the world, religions have dedicated times for specific act- activities. That's why you have rituals. That's why you have the, the Lord's Day for Christians or uh, Shabbat for uh, Jewish people, for instance. So the way we use our time is obviously uh, a reflection of who we are, what we believe in. And that's why when we talk about time management, is there's a lot of emotions that uh, come out. You now it could be sometimes, uh, oh, I manage my time this way because I'm a. I think I'm a competent person. I, I put in a lot of work hours because this is who I am. I'm a very busy person. Um, other people might uh, might just feel a bit more frustrated uh, about their time management because they always think they could be doing more uh, with their day. So, the, the reason why I like time management so much is. It's it's precisely because it's so personal and it's something that um, is is a, a deeply intimate uh, and, and and emotional. And what I want to do with this topic is just show the world that 
certainly you can use time management to be more productive, more efficient, get things done. Uh, but the reality and what we know now from this massive study that, that we did last year is that, yes, time management will make you pro- more productive. Yes, time management will boost your performance at work and at school. But time management has a much, much stronger impact on your well-being, on your mental health, and on your sense of purpose and meaning in life. And that's why uh, this to- I find this topic so fascinating. Oh my goodness, there's so much in what you just said. A couple of things I want to, just the last thing of time management, what we certainly find, and I love how you said the emotions, I'm a busy person, you know, particularly in our industries that, you know, I'm an accountant by trade, but um, we work along, you know, with most business owners whose productivity is directly linked to their revenue. And it's kind of, it's such an interesting thing. I don't have time for that. And the kind of societal success metric of a, of busy, um, you know, get 80% productive, I am successful, all of this sort of stuff is, is, is burning people out. And neither of us are doctors or well-being people here, but, I mean, it burnt me out. And it is such an interesting thing to start shifting that and how that actually, you know, makes your life. Because I, too, think, you know, what you said before is – you know, time management itself and some of the in- industry time management stuff is like, and I hear it, well, how can I fit more in your day? And I said, well, how about we start taking some stuff out? Like, you know, there's stuff in there. And I think that that's where you're going to, too, to the importance of it. Brad has an amazing TED Talk, um, which is how we actually linked up. My business partner saw it and, and was very, she's got this obsession with time. And it's, it's, it's this shift, isn't it, from, yes, the tips and the tricks make it. I mean, I use tips and tricks all the time, but that's more, more to keep me on my priority focus where I've actually gone back and chosen to have my time rather than going down funnels I don't. So can you talk a bit more around that? And I do have a question for you. Time management, why do we actually think we can manage time? Time happens regardless. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's a great question. That's a great question. I've heard that question before. Um, so usually some of the, I guess, time management uh, public figures or gurus will will say, well, it's not about time management because you can't manage time. Time is this external thing that's immutable. So what you're really doing is task management. Um, I do research on the anthropology and the sociology of time. And when you think about it historically, and when, when I mean historically, I mean like really, really ancient history, the way we define time is quite literally by setting social standards. Uh, you know, like who who decided that a day is a day just because it's one revolution? You know, like our planet completes one revolution. Who decided that um, a second is a second? Uh, Sometimes, you know, an ancient, very ancient human beings used to, I don't know, track the, uh, the months using uh, moon cycles. So in a very real sense, when you structure your day, when you use some kind of external element, like the moon or a clock or a schedule, to structure your time, you're actually structuring your time. That becomes your experience of time. So I do think that in a very real sense, yes, time can be managed uh, because the tools that you use, a calendar, the to-do list, the, the clock, even though now we always, we almost all use the same clock and the same calendar and so on, we think that these things are like external and they're objective. The reality is that we just agreed on this. The, the calendar that most of us use is called the Gregorian calendar. Uh, because it comes from, uh, it was not comes, but it was, uh, I guess, approved by a pope. And it just so happens that 
we now use a Christian calendar, but really it's just a convention. So in that sense, yes, we can absolutely manage time and create time and structure time in a very real sense. Mm, that's so interesting because it's like, you know, as I said, you know, way back when someone said, okay, debits and credits from an accounting point of view, it's just a structure that makes it and a framework that makes our lives easier. It gives us boundaries and um, it can make easier and it worked. I mean, I'm sure back then there was more calendars than that in more ways, but it must have been the easiest oh, yes. way. It's, it's kind of funny that the Catholics, I never knew that. Oh, absolutely. Even to this day, there's uh, some uh, uh, indigenous tribes in Brazil and Nigeria where, uh, you know, because they don't use clocks, the way they would set up a meeting, for instance, is uh, by saying, uh, tomorrow, let's meet up there when the sun is at this position. And they use, uh, they, they would point their finger at where the sun would be located at that particular time. So really, time management is not really about clocks or schedule or calendars. It's about anything that can help you create uh, a sense of time or a time structure. And it, it's so interesting. And I think, you know, around the philosophy of that, I think... You know, one of the other things that came up for me is this meaningful life. And then when we were first talking, we were talking about a human's obsession with the fact that we're not, that we have unlimited time or that we haven't, we are going to not, you know, die at one point or another. We don't speak about death. Can you talk about that a little bit? Because I think that was one of the things that really interests me is that we kind of do get this, I'll, I'll do it tomorrow or I'll do it later and that thing and you know that also links back to what you said about the religions and their set times on their values and beliefs as well oh time management i think is uh deeply connected to our sense of i don't want to say mortality because this word uh makes some people feel anxious and rightly so but yeah. a sense that time is limited um and that's why we need to manage time in the first place to make the most of it because we would need to manage our time so precisely and so effectively uh, if we had an unlimited amount of time to live. Um, and and so you mentioned earlier this idea of time management being linked to meaning in life. And there's a reason for that. It's First of all, yes, we realize that life is not forever. Like we at some point we're going to vanish. And so we need to make the most of it. But also in a very practical sense, when you look at the research that's been done on what we call our sense of meaning in life in the past 60 years, we often think that meaning in life is really about these exceptional, almost like revelatory experiences that some people have, like a like a, a religious experience. But the reality is that people's sense of meaning in life derives from very, very mundane day-to-day -day activities. And uh, more specifically, having a, having a sense of that your life is meaningful boils down to three particular things. The first one is... Uh, having a sense that your life is ordered and predictable rather than chaotic. Um, the second one is having a sense that your life is guided by goals or objectives that you value personally. And the third one is a sense that your life matters in, in any way. It could be, you know, like uh, taking care of a child. It could be uh, fighting for a cause that's bigger than you, something that you really believe in. Now, so those are the three major pillars of a meaningful life. And when you think about it, what does time management do? Time management first helps you have a more predictable rather than chaotic life. And second, when you manage your time, uh, usually you manage your time in a way that's 
that helps you accomplish some kind of goal that's, that's valuable to you. And third of all, time management. When you manage your time, by, by definition, it presupposes that your time matters. So in that sense, time management is one of the key ways, one of the, the key devices that, that we have, that we've had this, this, you know, for our entire history to achieve this sense of meaning in life. And that's why the two are so intimately connected. When you finally arrive at a point where you can look at your schedule and say with, with all honesty that this schedule, the way it's structured, the way I use my time reflects my goals, my values, my beliefs, my philosophy. That's where you have this sense of meaning in life. And that's what good time management is to me. It's not necessarily whether you're uh, being efficient, you're being productive and so on. It's whether or not you can look at your schedule and say, honestly, this schedule is a reflection of my values, my beliefs, and my philosophy. Wow. I think people, can you just go back and listen to that little bit again You know, when you're listening to that? Because I think that's where I think quite often we're seeing people, I've never heard it explained like that, but it is my belief as well is that the particularly the audit and predictable, you know, the most, when we're doing staff surveys and everything, the most common, and I'm going to go 85% and doesn't matter if it's to leaders or to administration, it doesn't matter what type of role in within the organization it is. It's, I just want to get, start my day and finish it with what I wanted to achieve. And that's usually a frustration. We work very hard on a lot of that stuff. You know, what I found interesting is because I, I sort of thought it was a planning problem that people really don't sit down, you know, on their day and um, get it but I think a lot of people do do that particularly in our industries but then they get in they start and it just goes boom it just blows up and then they get to the end of the day and they're, they're tired and exhausted and then you know the second one as well is the, the goals and I think too quite often people will be setting their schedules up and everything not then having the behavior around them to keep to that schedule but the goals are actually not theirs they're what what should be done what your boss wants done or if you're a leader um, or a business owner like ourselves, it's like what you think you should be doing as opposed to what you really would want to be doing. And I think, you know, when you, you when you take that back, you know, for me, I used to be one of those people who used to come in and go, I am so busy, I am so tired, that I never get anything done that I want to get done. Like, the, as you said, the goals and the objections. And, and while I did feel some importance because of the the role I had, the title, which really doesn't mean much. It was that. So how much does your research show that, that if you are really good at time management and stuff like that, but you're on the wrong track, are you finding people are skewing off with that as well? Is that what, something that makes it more difficult? Um, not in my own research, because what we looked at is time management ability. So uh -huh. what are your time management skills and how does that Align with um, you know all kinds of different outcomes like performance, uh, mental health, and so on. However, I do know of some research by uh, he's a time use researcher, John P. John P. Robinson, and what he did was so that the any government really so most governments since the 1960s ran time use surveys, and those surveys were distributed to thousands if not tens of thousands of people every year asking them over a period of 24 hours to sometimes a week what are you doing with your time every 15 minutes or every 30 minutes so it's like a more or less accurate 
uh, log of what people, how people use their time. Um, and so because we have this data almost year to year from at least 1965, we can see how it correlates with things like happiness and health outcomes and so on. Uh, and what John Robinson did, did find in, in 2013 was that the by far the happiest group in the United States was called the Never Never. And it's called the Never Never because those people had uh, two peculiarities about how they used their time. First of all, they never felt rushed, never felt time pressed. And second of all, they never felt like they had too much time on their hands. So it's not it's not so much that those people had uh, ample leisure time that was very passive and they didn't have much to do. It's that they were never rushed, but at the same time, they always had something possibly meaningful to do. Uh, and that leads it's to the that leads to the highest possible uh, level of happiness, at least in the United States. And that's that's about eight percent of the surveyed population. So it's it's a very small minority, but those people are extremely happy. And and I think that that makes sense because we know from psychological research that, of course, if you're busy all the time and you're uh, constantly under in a state of time pressure, it's really bad for your mental health and your physical health. There's very clear physical markers of time pressure. At the same time, if you have too much time on your hands and you don't know what to do, then uh, that'll lead to first boredom and then in more extreme cases, uh, depression, anxiety, and you know all, all the negative health aspects that come with that. Um, and that's why something that a lot of people don't know is that the first modern time management studies that we know of back in the early 1980s, uh, were not so much interested in productivity or performance as they were with uh, depression, anxiety, boredom, particularly in the unemployed people. Because when you think about it, uh, People who have a job have a uh, set routine. They, they have to wake up, um, I don't know, shower, go to work, sleep, uh, make dinner. So it, it, uh, work imposes this kind of time structure upon people. And that gives them a sense of uh, you know, predictability, uh, order, and so on. Whereas people who don't have a job don't have to wake up at a given time. They don't have to commute. They don't have to... So that, that structure that, that, that was previously imposed on them is no longer there. And because of that, they feel a sense of helplessness, depression, anxiety that leads to uh, all kinds of negative outcomes. But that is not true in unemployed people who do structure their time independent of their mm -hmm. work. Yeah. And that's why structuring your time is so important to your mental health, your well-being, and obviously your uh, productivity. This episode is brought to you by The Aligned Leader, a six-week program built to combat the leadership fatigue syndrome so you can grow your business without the overwhelm. That's so interesting. I had my own kind of version of that when I came out of the big firm um, and was working from home, you know, before working from home was a thing. I had to actually go and hire an office. <laughs> um, so I would go up at 8.30. It was really affecting and still to this day even I'm much better at it now but it's like I do like to structure my day but I'm structuring it out of the norm um, and it takes a very big shift to shift from nine to five strategy 
to know I want to like I've got this now and then I've got a late one as well so it's like well I'm going to do some nice stuff in the middle and it's taken me a lot of mental work to do that but when I first did it the mental ability to not to get out of bed was really difficult it was it was really difficult so I can see where that happens absolutely so you know maybe this yeah lazy generation or whatever and I think that that's something we should look at going forward when people's days are less structured everyone's asking for flexibility and stuff with work and now why there's a lot of negativity we've also got to look at the what you're saying there we've got to look at the positivity of it as well there is good reason for structure you know but you know some people do use it as sticks and stuff like that but yeah, it's it's it, I I yeah I hadn't really thought about that that day because you know I was saying well what's wrong with my mindset I'm the boss if I want to take half a day off or do whatever but it's actually this in, integral piece of yeah it's the structure that you work to I, I think you're absolutely right flexibility is is great but only when people are equipped with the ability to structure their own their own time and and this change has happened on them much more massive scale over the past two centuries or so. Because uh, when people complain today about, um, I, I don't have time, every, you know, my, I, I wish I could be better at time management, that is only part of the problem. The real problem is that what happened over the past two centuries is that people used to have their time managed for them. Their time used to be more structured. Think about it, just 50 years ago, um, you didn't have, Things like Netflix, where now you can watch your favorite show anywhere, anytime. You had to be at home at 7 p.m. to catch your favorite show. There was no, there was no other option. Um, you wanted to uh, buy something from the grocery store. You had to be there during business hours. Whereas now with Amazon, you can get anything you want uh, 365 days a year, anytime you want. So in that sense, even things that are that were more regulated by social norms, such as if you lived in a Christian uh, area, you wake up on a Sunday morning, you you didn't have to, pe- people usually didn't you know like uh, had to choose between whether they they would go to br- for brunch or they would watch Netflix all day. The only option was going to church. So in that sense, there was a much stricter time structure by then. Yeah, uh, back then. And in, in that sense, t- in that sense, time was managed for you. Certainly, people had less freedom. Yeah. You know, like going to church was kind of like mandatory, kind of for, for a lot of people. But in a um, the, I guess the flip side of it is that people were a lot less pressed, time pressed. People had um, fewer instances of time pressure. Uh, people felt more in control, paradox- paradoxically speaking. So. That's why, you know, now we have all this data from 1965. What we see is that compared to 1965, people today have objectively more leisure time than they used to, about six to eight hours, depending on where you live. However, people are a lot more likely today to complain about not having enough time compared to people back in 1965. And that's because back in 1965, time management was easier. Because society, religion, family kind of took up some of those time management decisions for you. You didn't have to uh, constantly decide what to do with your time constantly. And that's why now we think about we think about it all the time. We live in a much more flexible world. But that also means that we constantly have to decide what 
to do with our time. And that leads to a sense of time pressure if you're not really equipped uh, with this ability to, to manage your time properly. Yeah, and I think that that's, you know, we talk a lot about the efficiency of decision making and stuff and, and it's like spend your time um, and you mentioned it right at the beginning with your values and beliefs. So then you don't actually have to think about it. So if something comes up and you go, you can go, that's a, it's a good opportunity, but no, because you do spend, and I hadn't thought about it as a time structure thing because that just, it, this dis, constant decision making of the flexibility and everything that we have without the boundaries, but if you can put them in, early you can use the best of both worlds and it's the flexibility of our world now but the structures and I think too you know you, you said something interesting about church where I'm not religious um, I think that's something we really miss we're talking about putting a program in that gives you this place that you can go every Tuesday afternoon to talk to professional expert women just you know because to me that's a hook like I used to use um, park run to do it I um, couldn't do it anymore I hurt myself you know, back in the day, I used to go to Pony Club every second Sunday. There was a sense of community as well. These are people probably I wouldn't have over to barbecues, but they're people I saw all the time. And we had this common thing and we came together and there was no decision to make. It wasn't like, oh, should I ride today or should I not? It was like, I'm just going to Pony Club. It doesn't matter. I feel like crap or whatever. And I think if you're doing that with the things that you love, it actually puts something in your week that you know, for me. So what you're saying is the science actually, sorry, the research actually says that as well. It's that. And, and if we can use that, those skills ourselves. Absolutely. Yeah, and that, it's funny you yeah. mentioned that, uh, that particular example, because um, two years ago, I, I had this uh, colleague of mine who works for a very, very famous consulting company, but the job is obviously very, very um, uh, overwhelming. Uh, and she has to be on all the time. And she told me that some, some days, she would rather go she would rather be sent to jail because at least there there's a like you said a program she doesn't yeah. have to think about what to do all the time you wake up at a certain time you have you know you go outside for 10 minutes you then it's lunchtime just one or two days a week where she can go to jail and not have to think about any time management decisions uh, it's a bit extreme but i can definitely see where she's coming yeah, I think I see I see that a lot all the time in, in different examples. And I certainly look at myself as an example too. You know, people will often ask me, how do you do everything that you do in a day? You know, particularly this will be technically a 12-hour day, but it's like, no, I put my – and it, it has actually taken a long time and it's it's taken, an ex, well, probably a decade to be able to take the structure that I had and make it work for me. But I can tell you, you know, I think – you know, some of the things is, is what I'm working on is something that is important to me. I don't do anything that I don't want to do anymore. I mean, I do things within the business, like write content and do videos and stuff, which I really still don't feel comfortable doing. So it's, but what it's, those, those things that I don't want to do is going to what I want to do, but I've got rid of everything that and it's been hard like I've had hard conversations and stuff is that what you think sometimes goes on too is that it's really hard like that the friend you were just talking about she's obviously really enjoying the job otherwise she wouldn't be doing it but you know it's actually what you're spending your time on too that affects people absolutely uh you know obviously it's going to make things tremendously worse if you have to spend a lot of time on something you don't enjoy um because you get not only the just you know the stress and potential burnout, but also the dissatisfaction, 
complete dissatisfaction that comes with working a job that you don't like. Um, there's, I think I said earlier, there's some research on the difference between obsessive passion and harmonious passion. And I think that, that it's, it's, a, it's a very important distinction to make because even though, even if you, there's something you absolutely like, like for instance, I absolutely, absolutely love the topic of time and time management. It's history, the anthropology, philosophy. I, I have to work hard not to work long hours, but I have to work hard to keep myself from working those long hours because I could read and write and talk about this topic 24-7. But I know that if I did that, I would also be missing out on things that are equally important to me, such as spending time with my girlfriend, spending time with my friends, uh, reading books that have nothing to do with time management. Those things are extremely important to me. And I think that being obsessively focused on one thing certainly can help you uh, make significant progress in that field, whatever that field is. However, you're also missing out on insights that could come from other fields. You know, for instance, time, there's a lot of things that I learned about time from books that have nothing to do with time management. Yes. Uh, but I also think that a, a, a well-rounded life consists of not just focusing on one thing, but also, you know, being a friend, being a partner, being a citizen. Uh, and, and I think those things are extremely important uh, for many reasons, even from a social perspective. Taking time to go vote, I think, is very important. Taking time to learn about your local community, to spend time... Uh, creating new friendships, make, you know, making new friends. That, that's also extremely important. Because, again, from a social perspective, what we now know from time-use research is that time spent alone has been skyrocketing since the mid-2000s. Um, and I, that's obviously, we now know from psychological research, that has a huge, huge negative impact on our uh, well-being, mental health, uh, but also ability to cope. Because when something bad happens to you, uh, it's going to be a lot less bad when you have a, a strong social support network that's interesting 2000s not those pre-covid and then we hit covid and where it absolutely skyrocketed yeah. um yes yeah you know everyone says blames covid on some of these problems but they've been happening for decades previously i think that's so important too and i think you know i think that from what i what i'm hearing from you there is that we've got a because I'm a, a can be obsessively passionate about what I do, and I've been very conscious of. I was trying to fit a ride in today, but it's basically impossible. But I do have this gap gap in the middle, and I know that if if I don't go and then you don't actually get the really cool thoughts too. Like I've got my biggest breakthroughs in in content or uh, influence or even solving a client's problem or whatever in areas you know in a coffee shop or in a you know, pers- um, you know, there's a place in my um, great customer service stuff that my barista did. You know, if, so if you're not conscious for those times and you're just flipping through and going, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy, you're missing these really juicy connection pieces, I think, all the time. And, you know, what I want to wrap up in, and I think that segues nicely into it, is these connection pieces that you just said around spending time with other people because what I love about Brad is that on his byline in LinkedIn, go and check it out. And thing is he says, I will always have time for you. And it really wouldn't have mattered what his topic was at that point. I would, I reached out, you know, that, at, at that point, because I think that that's such an important thing to be, have a meaningful life is to make other people feel that you're in the room 
even if it's a two minute conversation with a barista, just be in the room. And for me, that's something I've learned. And when you actually had it on your line, I mean, I know it's related to what you're talking about, but why did it, I mean, you could have put anything, time management research and stuff. Why was that important to have on your byline? Um, because I honestly think that's reflective of who I am. I, uh, whether it's my yeah. partner, my friends, or just someone uh, asking for help, I try as much as I can to give them my time because I think I, I personally appreciate it when people do the same thing for me. Um, I, I think it's, a, it's almost like a, a, a gift-giving exchange because money yeah. certainly you can give money or, or any kind of other resource to people, but time is quite literally the most precious thing you can give to someone uh, because you only have so much of it and it's a non-renewable resource. I think that that's so important. And I've learned that, um, you know, the more time you give people who have, who share your values and your beliefs and everything, obviously there's some caveats around that for my overachieving, um, clients out there who <laughs> give time to people that they perhaps shouldn't, but it's really important. And, and just being there and, and being conscious, I think it's such an important thing. And I find it's kind of like what you said before with the people in the research who don't, who have that balance. And that's probably even a mindset thing. And they're probably doing that as well is that they are spending time and they are giving time to people. And what I find it's a universal rule. If you give you get, yeah. um, and then you get other people's time as well. So, um, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for your, for your time today, Brad. I think that if there's one thing that people could do in the next day or two, what we like to always leave somebody, uh, everybody with is something that they could do that's small. That's not going to take a lot of, dare I say it, time that they can start thinking about you know, the concept of perhaps where they're spending their time or the structure. There were so many things to go through. What was the one thing you would like them to take away? Oh, certainly. Well, um, I think it's by far one of the most important thing to realize. And when, when you practice time management, um, let me preface this with a, a very interesting finding from ling uh, linguistics around the world. Around the world, we know that in, virtually all language, all human languages. When we talk about time, we talk about time using specific adjectives. Uh, for instance, I can say that the uh, business meeting was too long, that we should meet outside of business hours, uh, that we should push deadlines forward or back. So every time we talk about time, we use spatial adjectives, outside, long, short, um, forward, backward. Around, around the world in any language, whether it's French, Spanish, uh, Arabic, Hebrew, all those languages have an equivalency between time and space. And the reason for that is simply that our brains have no other way of thinking about time than thinking about it as space. We're hardwired to think of time as space. Now, how is that related to time management? It's actually very simple. If you're using a to-do list, good. But I think if our most intuitive way of thinking of time is thinking about it in the space, then the most intuitive and easiest way for us to manage time is to visualize it. And for that, you need a tool that is a visual representation of your time. And schedules and calendars are the best tools we have for that. When you have a schedule, you can literally see what your time looks like. At a glance, you can see whether it would be reasonable or even realistic for you to engage in a 
three-hour project the next day or not, uh, see what your ob- other obligations are, and seeing time so realistically, so so visually forces you to prioritize better, to have a better understanding of your what your time looks like. We are notoriously bad at accounting for time in a systematic way. But when you have a tool like a schedule or a calendar, it's almost like you're putting on glasses that allow you to see time much more precisely and much more realistically. And I think that's important because when we think about time, we almost never think about it in a realistic way. And that's why we have so many time management issues. So I guess my what I'm trying to say is try to rely a lot more on a schedule than on a to-do list if you can. Oh, that makes so much sense. Thank you. That I just learned something today. Logically, I think <laughs> I subconsciously I just went, that makes so much sense. Um, because, you know, you write your to-do list. Um, sorry, everybody, I just showed Brad my to-do list. But I really work effectively with my calendar. So I know that I, I actually see it. So I can see that, you know, and then I, that's how I, people say, how do you control meetings the way you do and you always end them on time, like 10 minutes before and wrap up? And I went, I've never been able to answer that question before, but now I realize I, it just, I can see my calendar. It's just my Outlook calendar, nothing special. And this is, and I can move through the day from meeting to meeting, but getting a task list done is basically impossible. So you're saying that if this is a great tip, people take this one away. So if you could just basically say ring somebody and actually slot it in your calendar for 15 minutes and then you can say, well, there's no way I can ring seven people in that time, you know, that sort of stuff. So it's kind of the planning thing, but the visual, and then you can, you can take that thought with you as you go on the day. That makes sense. There you go. Thank you very much. Well, Brad, thank you for being here. Everybody, we're going to put the links to Brad's TEDx talk. I'd strongly suggest that you um, have a quick look. It's only 20 minutes um, and you can listen to it on Audible as well. Brad, where else can people link out to you? We're going to have all of these connections down in the show notes as well. Well, thanks a lot. Um, three times a week, I share uh, new research that's either related to productivity or time or time management and tips that could, that derive from those new studies on uh, LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, and Facebook. My name is Brad Eon. That's B-R-A-D. And last name is A-E-O-N. Fantastic. Yeah, and I think that the, you'll have a lot more people following you because, um, as I said, time is time is. I am trying to shift the whole mindset around um, hours for dollars because I think that's killing us. And I think we found out so a few more reasons for that as well. I mean, there's a whole lot of other stuff to undo, obviously, with values and, and stuff like that. So, thank you very much, Brad, for joining us today. Thank you, and everybody else. As always, be brave and continue the conversation. Thank you so much for your time. We work super hard on this podcast and are passionate about helping expert entrepreneurs build businesses without overwhelm. To help us, can you please leave a review if you loved it on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform?